0: Life with God is about relationship. That's what we're continuing this morning as we look at the Sermon on the Mount. Our relationship with the Father. This morning will be in Matthew chapter 6 verses 24 or 25 rather through 34. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. We're talking about worry. Anxiety maybe is how your uh, translation, your Bible translates it. I know nobody here worries. Right? So uh, this is we're kind of preaching to the choir. This is just for to help you later on, if you ac- accidentally come across somebody who, who worries about things. Um, you know, I, I, uh, Unfortunately, worry is well it's part of all of us. Uh, we all have things t- that we think we need to worry about. Uh, the reality is, we may have things we need to work at. Uh, work for. We may have things we need to work on. We may th- have things we need to do. We may have plans that we should make. We may, have, uh, may need to take preparation for certain events or uh, address certain issues, but none of those things involve worry. We're going to see that in Scripture this morning. A couple of pretty famous people had some things to say about worry. The, the first one is a gentleman by the name of uh, Winston Churchill. Uh, he said, When I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which had never happened. <laughs> we do that, right? I mean, we, we, we often create our own trouble uh, and, and the, the trouble never comes. I, I, I mean, I could, I could talk to you about some examples just in the last two or three weeks, four weeks, five weeks on my part uh, that uh, I, I created troubles that, that never showed up. Another fellow by the title, I don't know what his real name is, but the title of Dalai Lama, head of the uh, Buddhist faith, if a problem is fixable, if a situation is such that you can do something about it, then there's no need to worry. If it's not fixable then there's no help in worrying. There is no benefit in worrying whatsoever. He got it right. We we would disagree on uh, just about everything when it comes to religion, but he got that right. See, these are guys who are non-Christians or, you know, Churchill was atheist or agnostic or deist, depending on uh, when you talk to him, Uh, but uh, no man of great faith Certainly no uh, evidence, as a matter of fact, evidence to the contrary of faith in Christ. But even these guys understood the pointlessness of worry. The, the Dalai Lama trusts fate to, to, to work things out. Uh, Churchill trusted himself to work things out. They neither had time for worry. We serve the God who does everything. We don't trust fate, we don't trust ourselves, we trust the supreme creator of the entire world, and yet we worry. Well, we shouldn't. Non-Christians get it. And, and, and while these guys' thoughts are, are helpful, Buddhism, atheism, uh, we are, are grounded in God's word. Our faith, our life is grounded in the words of Jesus. So that's where we go to find out about worry. turns out he has some of the same uh, ideas about it, but from a, a much better perspective, not depending on fate, not depending on ourselves, but depending on God. Read with me Matthew 6, 25 through 26, uh, 25 through 34. Jesus says, This is why I tell you, Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height? Some of you would say, some of those translations may say length of years, by worrying And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? But seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped passage. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I was excited to get to this next verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Boy, ain't that the truth. So we see... We see Jesus taking up the idea of worry. Remember this this whole chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount, our chapter 6 of of his Sermon on the Mount, is all about our relationship to the Father. So we we looked at how possessions uh, get in the way of our relationship to the Father. Today we're going to look at how worry gets in the way. We looked at how fasting improves our relationship with the Father, how prayer improves our relationship to the Father, uh, how our giving Improves our relationship with the Father. The whole chapter here is about that. And Jesus says, based on what I've just told you, don't worry. See, that's, that's how he introduces this, uh, this next passage. This is why I tell you. He's, he's throwing us back to this passage beforehand that we looked at last week on, on finances. Well, not just finances, on possessions and says, remember, y'all, y'all been seven days, right, since you heard about, if you didn't read any this week, you, you, it's been seven days since you heard about it. Jesus was teaching this passage, and it was just boom, boom, one right after the other. Uh, that's why I tell you, don't store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Because, he says, he gets into it now, uh, you placing stuff before God is your number one cause of worry. And and maybe you're thinking, oh, no, I've got other things. No, no. Anytime we say, I don't know how this is going to work out, and I don't know how I'm going to fix it, we're worrying, right? And we're saying, I don't know, and I can't figure out when we're placing our faith in ourselves. We are taking our... Uh, eyes off God and putting it on something else. We're putting our faith in whatever it is. Maybe it's the money that we think we need or the, the stuff we think we need to buy or the family we think we need to be with. We're taking our eyes off of God and taking our eyes off of God causes us to further take our eyes off of God. And you're well, clearly, Michael, duh. No, think about it. When we have set up our idols of possessions, and this is what Jesus is saying, when you set up your idols of possession and, and you've put your heart there, and and all of your focus is there, and all of your hope is there, and all of your plans are there, then if something like the moth and the rust and the thieves start invading, start getting into that, what do you do? i, I got to worry about it because all of my faith was in that. If I don't have that, what will I do? So I've put my heart there. Now I've put my concern there. When our heart should be with God and letting Him handle the concern. We take our eyes off God and we start to worry. And then when we worry, we further take our eyes off God. Now what He does not say Jesus does not say here, and clearly we're going to see this as we move through the passage, he does not say, don't work. He doesn't say, don't do the things you need to do. Uh, the Old Testament, Proverbs, what, what man plans a tower, or plans to build a tower without first counting the cost? You, you make plans. You, you know what's coming, and you do what you can. Well, you, you plan for what's coming, And you do what you can to prepare for it, but you don't worry about it. Jesus isn't saying don't work, talking about the birds and and those kinds of things. He's not saying don't work. He's saying don't worry. I, I tell you don't worry, verse 25. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Life is more than that. Then he says, look at the birds of the sky. Look at them. And he says, look at a number of different things. And we're going to kind of hit these things uh, briefly. Look at first the birds. They don't worry. They don't, they don't reap, he says. Uh, they don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. Yet they get the food that they need. Now, the birds still work, right? You don't see birds just sitting out on the, the, the limb waiting Hoping something will drop in their mouth. They, they, they fly around. They look. Squirrels all over the yard out here. They, they're, they're looking. there, And they do put up in the barns, right? Uh, but uh, little holes in the ground. But they're looking. They're working for it. But they don't, they don't plant the trees intentionally that give them the, the food they want. The birds don't plant the trees that give them the food they want. God takes care of the stuff that they need. God provides for them. They do the work. They don't worry. And this was very pointed to this people who lived in an agrarian economy in, a, in an agrarian society. Their whole deal was, you know, what we've got to make sure that we uh, get the seeds out at the right time and make sure that oh, but man, we got to hope, we got to pray for that rain. If we don't get the rain, then the stuff doesn't grow. And then not too much rain now, because now we got to we got to start thinking about harvesting. And we can't harvest if everything's all wet. But you know, now we need because we got the harvest. Now we got to put it in the barns, and then well, we got to have enough to eat. Well, Got to have enough to plant too. So now we start this cycle all over again. Worry, worry, worry. Will I have enough seed? Will I have enough rain? Will I not have too much rain? Will I have enough sun? Will I have enough? Will will locusts come? Will will other things? uh, Worry, worry, worry. And Jesus says, "Don't worry." The birds don't. They do their work, but they don't worry. He says in verse 27, "Can any of you add a, a single cubit?" To his height, probably a better translation with that would be to his length, length of years. Because, you know, we would be impressed if somebody could worry themselves another 18 inches in growth, right? We, that, wow. I mean, if, that's impressive. Uh, but what he's talking about, you can't add another 18 inches to your, your, your years. Worrying is not going to give you five more minutes of life. Worry is not going to give you 10 more minutes or a year or, or anything. Chances are, and they even understood this back then, Worrying takes off, not adds to your life. It won't add a thing. It won't add to your, your, your length of years. It won't add to your happiness. It won't add to your health. Worrying actually detracts from all that. Medical science has shown us over and over again that worry and stress is a, a killer, not a life giver. God understood that and let us know that through Jesus. He says, look, look at the, the birds. They don't worry. You, you, you don't need to worry. You can't add anything to it. Uh, don't, uh, don't worry about all that. The, 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 uh, you're more important than birds, right? Look at verse 26. Aren't you more important than they? Aren't you worth more than they? God takes care of these birds that he, he regularly talks about. The sparrow lives and dies. God knows it. Life goes on. He's aware of all of it. You are worth more than they are. The armadillo digs up, eats some grubs, messes up your garden, walks across the highway and gets killed. You're worth more than him. You are valuable to God. Your father will take care of you. So birds, no worries. Worrying doesn't add anything. Verse 28, flowers. Don't worry about your clothes. Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread, but they're prettier than Solomon ever was. That's how God clothed them. And, and the author I read, the, the commentator I read, uh, had in mind a particular flower, said that Jesus may have had in mind a particular flower called a, uh, I believe he said a purple anemone. Uh, I immediately thought of our blue bonnets, just the way he described them. But he said they were incredibly fragile. They, they, they grow on the hillsides of Judea. They would pop up. They'd bloom. But they could literally lose their bloom within a day. And not just lose the bloom, but the bloom would die, close up, and the thing would wilt and get crispy in a day. It's just, just the nature of the flower. And they would use those because of the, the, the way that they died. They would could gather them up and you could use them to help start a fire. So that's... What he's talking about here, they're, they're beautiful, they're gorgeous, and then they're gone and they're used, used for nothing but to start a fire. Look how beautiful they were. They didn't plan that. They didn't sew. Uh, they didn't sew their clothes or make their clothes. And again, you know, this, uh, this immediately brings to mind for these folks their current life. They worked year-round for their clothes. If they were lucky enough to own some sheep, you shear the sheep. And then you have to rake the wool and clean all the stuff out of it and then wash it and then get it to, to, you have to, there's all sorts of steps, and any of you sheep people, uh, you know, correct me. And then, then you've got to get all the fibers going the right way, and then you you pull that into the string. They had the machine, or actually, for them, it was probably just somebody uh, doing it while you hold it. And then you make the, the yarn, and, and you uh, have to then weave it into cloth. And then you've got to sew the cloth, and then you've got, you cut or cut the cloth and sew the cloth. And it was a constant thing. And this y'all, this fell on the mamas. Daddy might shear, but after that it was all mama stuff. While she was cooking and cleaning and raising the kids and, and doing all these other things, she had to make sure everybody was clothed. This was a big deal. The man was in the, the, the field worried about the rain and the, 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 the grain and sowing and, 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 and uh, reaping and sowing. Mama's in the house worrying about, I can't keep my kids in clothes. That's who Jesus is talking to. And he says, don't worry about that. Wasn't Solomon dressed better than the flowers? Uh, Rather, aren't the flowers dressed better than Solomon? And they didn't plan any of that. God will take care of you. And then he says in verse 31, so don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? And 32 is where he kind of kicks us in the teeth a little bit. For the idolaters eagerly seek all of these things and your heavenly Father knows what you need. Remember last week I talked about when we put stuff in front of God. We don't don't carve idols literally out of wood anymore. No little people that we set on our Mantlepiece and worship, but we certainly carve them out of metal and fiberglass, and uh, we carve them out of our own flesh and blood, uh, our families. We, we set so many things up for, before God. Worry places importance on that stuff. That's idolatry. When I'm worrying about that, I'm putting something in front of God. If I'm not worried about my relationship with God, I'm worried about something else, then I'm placing that in front of God. Worry places much too too much importance on stuff, and that's idolatry. But you know, the other thing worry does is it places way too much emphasis on me. Worry says it's all about me. It's all about what I need. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I think is important in my life. It's all about the fact that I need this and I want that and these are what are, are useful to me. And God, if I can find a way to work you into my hunt and my search and my plan and my enjoyment of these things, oh, I certainly will, but these are more important to me. Or maybe... Instead of the importance, it's the dependence. God, it all depends on me. I got to feed my kids. It all depends on me. I've got to clothe my kids. It all depends on me. I got to keep a roof over my family's head. It all depends on me. I got to be able to take them to Schlitterbahn. It all depends on me. Six Flags has raised their prices this year, and we go every year. It all depends on me. I got to make that boat payment. It all depends on. It's me. It's me. I have placed myself as the sole controller and authority of my family. And when I became a Christian, what I said was, God, you are my sole authority and controller, both in my case as a 10-year-old very single person, but also later in life when I married and had children, I said, God, no longer is it about me. It's about you. That's 32. Idolaters eagerly seek these things. But your, your, your father, he says, he knows that you need them. And, and back at verse 30, he says, How, uh, Won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? See, faith is our foundation, faith is what defeats worry. I worry about things because I don't have faith. Period. Oh, the stock market. Oh, the, 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 the president. Oh, the this. Oh, the that. Oh, the no. Oh, it's just about my lack of faith in God to control things, to take care of things. We can quickly, and we, we will in a few minutes, but just let me go ahead and get your brain to thinking about blessed are... The persecuted. See, I don't see anywhere where it's going to be perfect. I see that we'll be taken care of and that we don't need to worry. But Michael, we're going to be persecuted. Okay, don't worry about it. But it's going to hurt. Okay, don't don't worry about it. And then he says, this is the verse I, I wanted to get to. This is what Jesus was getting to. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, these things I just talked about, these things that I talked about in the passage on possessions, will be provided for you. Seek first. This is where we're going to hang out for a few minutes. We're going to tear this verse apart just a little bit. Seek. You ever played hide and seek? Most. Nod. Okay, thank you. Uh, Most of us have. And most of us have played with the really good hiders and the really bad hiders. And we react differently to the good and the bad hiders. Um, We play hide and seek with Jace and Janie Marie fairly regularly. They're the good hiders. Um, If you don't know the story, uh, Jace, we thought Jace had gotten out the front door one day. Etta did. She messaged me, I was over here in the office, and they've, they've done it before, slipped out, because we didn't lock the door, and we, oh, I see them in the front yard, hey, babies, yeah, babies are out, okay. So, uh, we got them back. Etta couldn't find Jace. Went and checked the front door. Front door is unlocked. She messages me. I'm here in my office. Jason must be outside. I can't find him anywhere in the house. Okay, so I start walking around, and I mean, they don't usually go far. They, you know, just the yard, and and, and nowhere to be found. Have mercy. Where is this boy gone? There's no telling with this child. So I'm looking, and I think she sent Jaden outside, and he's riding his bike around, and turns out he had gotten into the big boy's bedroom, and gotten behind their curtain by the window. And was standing there, stock still. And quiet as death. Just stood there. Mama calling him. And he was not answering. And Jenny Marie will do this too, but Jace is better at it. We found him. He laughed his little fool head off. Um... That game of hide and seek, how would you define seek there? See, we've also played hide and seek with a kid that just doesn't hide very well and you, okay, found you. Now did we seek? Do you see the difference in the seek? This word seek is the first kind of seeking. Where is my child? Seeking, not oh, you hid under the couch again. Wow, oh, aren't you creative? That not that kind of seeking. This is intensity. This is seek, search, wonder, devote serious effort. The guys who, you know there are lost treasures like all over America, right? John Lafitte has treasures somewhere on Galveston Island or something like that. And uh, there's one out uh, out west somewhere. Just There are billions of dollars buried, so they say. Who's that? Jesse James. Jesse James. Yeah, there's, there, there's money everywhere if you listen to the right people. Those guys that believe that, they don't just, okay, well, while I'm walking around, I'll, no, I don't see any treasure. No, nothing there. They, they are seeking. There's an intensity. That is what God is, Jesus is telling us to do here. Seek, devote serious effort to me, to my kingdom, to my righteousness, and do this first. As a matter of fact, first is the first word in the sentence. Remember, I've talked to you before about Greek and how the emphasis is on the first word. First, seek. Before anything else, devote everything you have to finding my kingdom, my righteousness. Pursuing my kingdom, my righteousness. Before you worry about Do I have enough clothes? Before you worry about, do I have enough food? Before you worry about, can we afford Schlitterbahn this year or are we going to have to go to that uh, water park in San Antonio? Uh, Before we worry about those kinds of things, we seek God first. And we seek, what does he say? First seek the kingdom. And we've talked about the kingdom some as we've gone through Matthew. But this is God's reign This is God's reign in heaven. This is God's reign on earth, not currently fulfilled, but in process. This is God's reign in our hearts. This is God's reign when Jesus comes back and God fully reigns over everything. This is his kingdom. We submit to that kingdom. We submit to fulfilling the duties of that kingdom. This is obedience. We don't understand a king anymore. We don't have a king. We can't even really go and look at Great Britain because while they have royalty and have the queen and she does have some power, it's not like what we read of in the 1500s and the 1400s. That era when being a king meant something. You obeyed the king. Your, Your life was for the kingdom. That's what God is telling us here, saying to us through his son, your life is for the kingdom. First, do everything you can to find out what you need to do to submit to the kingdom, to do the, fulfill the duties of the kingdom, and th- then seek His righteousness. Obedience. This would be both character and your actions. That would be all of the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and all the way through the end of... Uh, Uh, Chapter 7 particularly, but the New Testament, the Old Testament, God's Word to us generally. First seek the kingdom. Get to whom you are to submit right. Then get what you are to do when you are submitting to that king right. And then all of these other things will be provided for you. Do I get a boat out of this, God? Not necessarily. Do I get the the biggest, fanciest house? Not necessarily. But your needs will be provided. What to wear, what to eat, those things will be provided. You do not have to worry about it. You do not have to set up worry as just one more idol that you place in front of God, because God's got it. That's not the best grammar I know but I think it gets the point across. God's got it. You will get what you need. Or not. See, it's not promised. We, we aren't promised tomorrow. I need tomorrow, God. No, I don't think you need tomorrow, so I'm not going to give you tomorrow. God, I need to not be persecuted for my faith. No, no, I, I think you do. I think you do need to be persecuted for your faith. But, but God, I need to be strong. I need to be uh, uh, assertive. I need to be right. Uh, let's see, the poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed. God, I need to be happy all the time. I don't need bad things in my life. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. God, I need to be be forceful. I've got some things in my life that if I am not forceful on, they're going to overtake me. The gentle, the meek are blessed. God, I need need the right kind of food. I need to to make sure that I've got enough set up. The hunger, those who hunger and thirst, not for food and drink, but for righteousness. See, we have the kingdom in 5.3. We have righteousness in 5.6. They are blessed, and they will be filled. The merciful, God, I need, I need revenge. No, the merciful are blessed because they'll be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed for they will see God. Those, uh, they would be called sons of God. Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God, I need, and God says, no, you need to follow me. You need to trust me, and I will give you exactly what you need. And then Jesus is clear to us throughout the New Testament, through Paul and Peter and James and John and others, that our need really is not food, not money, not a house, not a job. Not security, not a 401k, not insurance, not any kind of a retirement, not anything but Jesus. Jesus is all we need. That's it. And I can't put it any more strongly. I can't make it any clearer to you. I wish we could all take a mission trip to Spain. Spain. To, to anywhere in uh, Western Europe, really. And see how those who have everything don't really think they need much of anything, particularly, particularly Jesus. Or uh, we, can, we can do this a little closer. Uh, let's just go uh, next door. Pick a house and go next door. In our own country in our own home and see how people don't think they need anything and don't need Jesus but they need everything else and then let's go on a mission trip to Africa where the gospel is beginning to take hold in villages where people walk five miles just to get clean water where they live on dirt under grass built by limb built with limbs where they have a few chickens, uh, but they're hunting, and they have a little plot of land and they grow a few things, and they don't have much of anything. and listen to the joy in their worship on Sunday morning when they sing to their Creator God and their Savior Jesus, and tell me they need something. They don't need anything. They'll tell you real quick, they don't need anything, because they've got the one thing that they didn't know they needed. But when somebody came and told them, now they got everything they need. All we need is Jesus. Not clothes, not food, not safety, not comfort, not friends, not family, not ease, not stuff. We just need Jesus. Now Jesus is going to maybe give us food and clothes and safety, etc., etc. And then, as Job so eloquently put it, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Dadgummit, I don't like the Lord much. That's not how he finished the verse. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why? Why could he say that? Because his faith was not in his stuff that he had just lost all of. His faith was not in his family that he had just lost all of except his wife, and she basically deserted him by saying, Look, why don't you just go on and curse God and die, get it over with, because clearly things are bad. Job said, He gives, He takes away, blessed be His name. Jesus is the cure for worry. See, Jesus isn't the cause for worry. We sometimes think Jesus is the cause. If, if I follow Jesus, if I'm obedient to God the way I'm supposed to be, he's going to make me do things I don't like or I don't want to do. Or, or he's going to make life's going to get rough and, and, and people aren't going to like me and wah and wah and whah some more. And I tell you, and the Bible tells us, that Jesus is the cure for our worry. Because you know what? People aren't going to like you whether you love Jesus or not. Y'all aren't just that lovable. I mean, some people like you. A lot of people like you. A lot of people love you, but some people don't. I do. But there are other people I've heard, maybe, that don't like me. Hard as that is to believe. But (laughs) But you know what? My faith's not in them. My faith is in who Jesus has called me to be. Your faith needs to be in who Jesus called you to be. And not worry about what I I won't be or won't get or won't have the opportunity to experience, but what is Jesus going to do through me? Because we're blessed. Chapter 5. We're blessed. We are 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 blessed because Jesus is all we need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are our cure for anxiety. Lord, thank you that you are our cure for every need, our provision for every need. Lord, thank you that you have sent your Son to provide that salvation. God, we... we get lost in in what we think would be best for us and lord if we could just understand your truth that you are what's best for us then we wouldn't oh, we wouldn't have that idol of worry in our lives god our our base worry is 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 this all We know it's not, that you have much greater for us. You have an eternity planned for us with you. If we will accept the free gift of your Son, Lord, I pray that we would feel that call if we've not experienced it this morning. If we've not experienced it, I pray we'd feel that call this morning. Lord, those of us who have concerns, have, have issues in our lives that are causing us worry, let us lay them at your feet. Understanding that our worry does nothing. Oh yeah, you want us to take steps that, that are necessary. If it's illness, there's medicine, there are doctors. If it's financial, there, there may be jobs that we can seek, try to do. We, 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 can, we can take steps. But Lord, it is not ours to worry about. It is not our life to attempt to take back control of. It is not our decision to try to meet our needs. God, it is all yours. And if you provide it, Lord, thank you. If you take it away, thank you. But in all things, blessed be the name of the Lord. So, Lord, move in hearts today. If there's somebody that needs to trust you as Savior, I pray that they would do that today. If there's someone that needs to give you a worry or an anxiety, I pray that they would come to this altar today and give it to you. Pray, asking you to take it. And tomorrow, when they pull it back off the altar, I pray they would turn around and give it right back. The next day and the next day, until they no longer take it back, trusting that you've got it and realizing that they've had many problems in their lives, most of which never happened. God, move in this place this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So maybe you do need that cure for worry. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Today is your day to do that. How does He fix it? I don't know. I mean, like literally how in your body has it? I don't know. But I do know... That when we have trusted him as our Savior, when we have invited him into our lives, no longer do we have the concerns and the worry that we did have. Because we know that it is in in greater hands than ours. And he loves us more even than we love ourselves. You're worried about your kids? He loves your kids more. You're worried about your parents? He loves your parents more. Are you worried about you? He He loves you more. Romans 3.23, we have all sinned. We have all placed idols in our lives. We have all worshipped something besides God. And prior to our salvation experience, our life was about our life. And we were going to get what we were due. In falling short of the glory of God and in sinning, we have incurred those wages, death, hell. That's, That's what we've got. That's our payment. But God sent his gift. While we were yet sinners, God sent his gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus died for us. He died not just so we don't have to worry anymore. That's, that's, the, that's a side benefit. That's a perk. He died so we can spend an eternity with him. So we no longer carry the burden of our sin. That's why he died. So we can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Every one of us. No matter your background, no matter your sins, no matter what you've done. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth, rather, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You, you will be saved. So what's your decision this morning? You can have a worry-free life. I promise you, you can have a worry-free life. You just got to come to Jesus and give Him your life. You just got to come to the altar, come to God and give Him your worries. And then you don't have to worry anymore. Sounds easy, I know, but it's got to start somewhere. Today, give Him those things. As we stand, as we sing... You do business with God this morning and come as God leads.